Welcome back everyone to another episode of Counting on Chasen. We're delighted you're here with us today as we talk about nonprofit budgeting tips with Martha Kielsbeck. Martha, welcome back to another episode with us. Great to be back. Hey, you know, you've taught us so much and today we're going to really get back into something that is um, one of those things that I think we know we think we know a lot about, but maybe we don't. And that's budgeting for the nonprofit organization. So we're really appreciative to get all of your advice and your sage wisdom. Let's get right into it. And we got to start off by asking the question, are nonprofits required to have a budget, a formalized budget? Sometimes, but Usually that's when there's a governance requirement or a grantor has a requirement for their specific piece. But generally, no, there is no regulation that requires a nonprofit to have a budget. Okay, interesting. So I can see why this might kind of go to the bottom of the list if we're not worried about being in compliance. But I got to believe nonprofits need a budget and why do they need a budget? Let's maybe start there as well. Well, every nonprofit has a mission and to deliver that mission, you have to have a plan to get there. So you need to think about the resources available and you need to think about what it's going to cost you to deliver that mission. So those are sort of the basic elements of the budget. Therefore, even if you don't have a formal budget, hopefully you have one floating around in your head as the leader of that organization. So if you can help me with that, I mean, it seems to me you can have a really sophisticated budget or a not so sophisticated budget. Um, are you kind of saying, let's start somewhere and let's figure out like who's creating that? Because this involves a lot of information so when we're working on a shoestring staff wise maybe we're working with a lot of volunteers our boards probably all you know volunteer who is creating this work and how how are we going about this i would always recommend a team approach to budgeting particularly if you've never done it before um, you don't have to have everyone involved all of the time but there should be inputs coming from different places and actually the financial mind or financial person in the organization may come in well behind the other parts of the organization who are thinking about mission. What programs do you want to deliver? So that's where you need to have different people come in and think about you know, what, are, what are we trying to do? And then you can start talking about numbers. Mm -hmm. You know, I love that because it seems to me it also lightens the load and that if you can get more of a team approach, maybe it's not such a daunting thing um, to, you know, think about and, and to begin. So that leads me to my next piece. Like, where do we start? Like, where do we even begin to take on this, this task? Well, once you've identified kind of who the key players are going to be in the process, I would start with a narrative process, just writing down, you know, what we plan to do for the next year. And typically I would start with a one year budget. I wouldn't do anything more than that to start and just, you know, just a description of 
what we're going to do, how we think we're going to do it, and then, you know, who you can get into, start getting into the details and breaking down those narratives further and further into, you know, smaller pieces. Mm-hmm. That's smart. Um, you know, it seems to me when you begin that way, maybe you open the door to non-accounting types, folks that aren't on, if you if you have a finance committee, um, you you probably get more hands, all hands on deck. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. At the beginning stages, like I said, I don't, a lot of times the financial person doesn't even need to be involved when you're sort of defining the plan for the year in a narrative form. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that's actually, if you have the resources to do that, I would recommend that you, you, you do it that way first at the programming side of the organization start the process. Interesting. Okay. Well, with that in mind, what are you recommending, especially for those organizations that might not really be sophisticated about this, or maybe more on the the beginning side of this track? How detailed should this be? And the next follow-up question I've got to ask is, is this set in concrete or can we revise it? I mean, how, how is it? So many things that we do are living, breathing, as we call documents, but the budget, it seems like that's pretty set in stone or am I wrong? Well, typically, well, let's see, where should we start? <laughs> I guess. I, how, let's start with the detail. Cause in I think terms that, of details. Yeah. So in terms of details, I would start out pretty high level, you know, yeah. what, what are we going to do? So how much, you know, how, what kind of resources or what kind of revenue do we need in order to deliver that? And then think about where that revenue might come from. Um, but then when you get into the details of cost, I would start with my biggest cost first. And in almost all our nonprofit organizations, people are your most expensive cost. So start breaking it down. Who do we have now? you know, who else do we need in order to deliver this mission and start breaking it down with a lot of support, you know, on the people side. And once you get past the people and the fringe costs associated with people, you, you could easily have, you know, 80 to 85% of your total costs there. And you're, you know, in some ways almost done. Yeah. I, I love that because that, again, very achievable. It's something that we need to know anyway, so that we can keep our people and that we can stay on you know, track with, with providing um, our service. But then let's move forward. I mean, when you talked about people, my first thought is the great resignation <laughs> and how we're having a lot of changes with our costs and, and in terms of recruiting, retention, you know, even offering benefits. That kind of leads me into the next part of the question. And maybe I jumped the gun a little bit, but that's about revisions and and how do we keep that budget updated? Or is this something that we don't change and we measure ourselves against at the end of, of that period? Well, it, it kind of depends a little bit on, you know, the, the relationship between the you know, operating side of the organization and the governance side of the organization. A lot of times a governing board will have a budget that is set, you know, that's that's been approved and you start to deliver against that budget. But from an operations standpoint, so many things can happen as we've learned over the last couple of years to make a budget obsolete 
you know, before the year starts in many cases. So I would recommend, you know, if, if you do have a process where a budget is set, either, you know, a budget revision process that's agreed upon by all parties or an ongoing forecasting process where you're looking at, this is what's happened to date, this is what's left in the budget, but that's not what's gonna happen, what's really going to happen here. So a combination of a budget that's probably fairly set and then a forecasting process to revisit that um, fairly, fairly often. Okay, I'm gonna jump in here because it's so interesting. Several of um, our other Chazen and company guests on Counting on Chazen, they have used this word forecasting. And, and I'd love to kind of throw you a curveball a little bit um, and, and ask you maybe to refine that, or not refine, but explain it. Because it seems to me, when I think of budgeting, it's very black and white. There's, there's none of this like narrative piece. So it's surprising to me to have you explain, start off with a narrative, which I think is brilliant. Um, but the forecasting seems to me like that's more of a narrative position, or am I wrong on that? Well, certainly forecasting or reforecasting, it's the same thing. It starts with a narrative. Okay, so we know that um, we're going to have to shut down and we're not going to have any revenue at the door. Say you're an arts organization. So, you know, you talk about that and then you start to look, go back to your budget and say, well, we projected to have, you know, this much in, in uh, receipts for our programs. We're not going to have those programs, so we need to make an adjustment. So forecasting, it, yes, it talks about what's changed and you have to talk about that with words. You can't just talk about it with numbers. Certainly people costs, as you mentioned, has changed a lot over the last few years. Yeah. So you do that and then you start to say, well, how will that affect you know, our budget? How will it affect our revenue? How will it affect our costs? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a refinement process that goes on sort of over time. Always, always looking ahead. There's nothing to refine in the past about a budget. You know, you have your actuals and they may, you may or may not have made your budget, but that's not really where the focus is. The focus is what's going to happen next. Interesting. You know, it's, it almost sounds to me um, a little bit like using a different word is scenario planning, which we think of that is very narrative. And it seems like a lot of times we don't marry the concept of budgeting with scenario planning. So I think it's a really interesting um, thing to be talking about because we have, we're still in a post COVID environment. We're facing potential economic changes um, on a national or global scale. So a lot of these things are going to possibly impact our organizations. And, and uh, I think it's a good idea to be evaluating how you might change or not re-navigate things. It's yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think that's I think that's a great way to describe it. Yeah, pretty interesting. Now, one of the things that I want to kind of move on to, and again, this is more of a drill down down into the budgeting thing. You reminded me that there's really a big difference between the program costs and the overhead costs, and that we should be pretty specific about separating these out and i think that a lot of organizations kind of lump these things together and i'm wondering if you could kind of share some insight with us about that well so overhead costs is another way to 
think about that is it's indirect or the program itself doesn't dr drive that cost in any in any uh, direct way. So you have certain things like you may have a, um, a rented space and all of your programs are really run out of that rented space. Yet if you added another program, you probably wouldn't add space costs like that. So it's indirectly related to what you're actually delivering on your mission or your programs. So your, your overhead costs are typically in the budgeting process are typically set aside from the planning of that year's delivery of mission. Um, you need to revisit to see if you need additional overhead to expand your programming or if you're going to be able to take some of it away if you have to retract some of your programming. But generally it's, it's kind of two separate planning processes that then need to be put together. Interesting. And I would imagine um, this would help you when you report back out for funding or even measuring what your success has been like or replicating a, a, a program. I mean, is that, is that, does that make sense? Or is that how your budget can impact you there? Or is that really another way of evaluating what you're doing? No, absolutely. If you're trying to do an analysis of whether a program, you know, was effective, mm -hmm. um, typically you would not loaded up with overhead costs and say, well, you know, that it was going really well, but then we have all this, this overhead costs and that really ruined the program. So that's not typically the kind of analysis you do when you're looking, when you're analyzing a, a program itself. Mm -hmm. um, but, but it is, if you are almost fully grant funded or something like that, you do need to think about your overhead costs because you have to include that somehow in your overall plan, because you can't, there's, there's really no such thing as an organization without overhead unless you just deliver one program. So right, right. the cost is shared, you know, across all the different things you do. Right. Well, and I think it kind of, it makes the organization a little bit more murky in terms of how you grow or how you replicate the program, um, how you share your success, your processes maybe with another organization in a completely different part of the country or even the world. Um, if you haven't, if you haven't been able to pull some of those things out, you might kind of be in trouble in terms of really evaluating what's gone on. Right. What, oh yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Really, really important. Okay. So we've talked about managing or crafting the budget. Um, now I've got to ask you about managing the budget because it seems like almost almost like a strategic plan and that I can see a lot of work goes into it and then it gets set off and doesn't really get reviewed except by maybe your accounting provider um, or bookkeeper kind of like at the end of the day. And I'm wondering if maybe you could give us some tips on, on how an organization can really be looking at this and understanding if they're even on track. Well, it's really important once you have your budget, whether it's an overall organization budget or it's a budget on a program or a grant, that you're looking at how you're tracking against that budget. Because if you're tracking negatively against that budget, then you have to figure out, you know, can we continue the way we're going or do we need to make a revision in our delivery? Sometimes the revision is in the numbers, but you know that's that can only take you so far. And then you have to think about revision in the delivery. So 
it's it's really important and it's it would be a waste of all your time budgeting if you didn't use that budget as a tool to analyze you know how things are going and also to think about the future so if we're you know if the first five months have been like this you know what's going to happen the rest of the year and that starts you into that forecasting process so typically reporting against budget gives you you know some of what you need to go ahead go ahead and think about okay we need to relook at these costs or relook at this revenue in the forecasting context so then let me tag on another question to that when you talk about forecasting and we understand it's probably more of a narrative right than adjusting the numbers or is it and then is this are we talking about doing this monthly or quarterly what what does that lens look like in terms of moving out well no i mean there it is scenario discussion as you mentioned but then you know you do need to put the pen to the paper and figure out numerically you know what that means because ultimately if you don't have some additional source of funds and you're running negative on your costs then you know you're going to run out of money and something's going to happen so it, it's important that you take those scenario discussions and translate them numerically so that you can see kind of how you'll how you'll end up. Mm -hmm. It also, um, you know, it has a lot of times there's um, assigned responsibility related to budget. So if you're tracking negatively to budget, you know, yeah. a board may come in and say, look, you only have this much. So then you're thinking about, okay, if I only have that much, then I need to figure out how to spend that if it's not how I thought I was going to spend it. So I think it's 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 important that there's a lot of conversation, but there's then there also has to be some numbers to to kind of show where you're going. You know, Martha, I appreciate you saying that because it seems to me so many more uh, nonprofits across this country are using CEO dashboards, and that is a standard um, report, if you will that is distributed at the same time every month to board members, sometimes even to C-suite or, or stakeholders in some cases. Uh, but it seems to me like this um, should be part of that. It may be not in its entirety, but some part of the budget and, and the performance should be on that dashboard. Is that, is that something you would agree with or is that too much of a heavy lift? No, I mean, absolutely. When we, when we have a dashboard for clients, we would always, you know, one of the fundamental reports is what we would call a budget versus actual. So, you know, we're, we're three months through the year, we're six months through our budget. Mm -hmm. Okay, we need to revisit something, but that should appear, you know, quickly in your management tools and in your governance tools also that those things can be seen. So absolutely, you want to you want that to be part of your dashboard. You know, another thing I'm thinking of too, as you're, as you're talking about this, it seems to me that, that before you go too far down the path, you should have this structure reviewed by whoever your accounting provider is. I mean, would you agree with that? Or is it something that is really best to complete the process and then to get, get your, um, your accounting provider involved? So if you want to use your budget as a tool and look at how you're tracking against that, you need to, your budget needs to be 
in the structure that you're tracking revenue and cost. So, um, and it's not unusual to see budget thinking and budget numbers go a different direction than accounting, but then it becomes a manual process to essentially remap what's happened and what's been accounted for against the budget. So ideally, yes, you get you get your accounting person involved so that they can you know, work alongside you to make sure that the budget fits in with the way costs have been structured. And that, that may result in a different tracking of costs. You know, if the organization is really going a different way, you may change the way you track costs. And that's also something you need to do hand in hand with your accountant. Yeah. It seems to me that if you do a little bit of this work up front, you're going to maybe even at the end of the day, save some money because like to your point, and I think you use the word tracking, you'll be tracking together, right? I mean, does that make sense so that you'll be kind of rowing in the same direction? Right. Best case scenario, the budget is, you know, is approved, it's put into your system and the budget versus actual tracking automatically comes out. It goes to the dashboard. You know, it can be looked at at any point in time. That's, that's the best way to do it so that someone doesn't have to sit and, you know, map things together. And it just takes time and it certainly takes money to do that. So ideally, you know, you have a budget, it's in your system and it automates the whole process so that you can get that data as quickly as possible and use it in your, in making operating decisions. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I, you know, it's, it, it really kind of goes back to my very first and second questions is, you know, do we have to have it and, and why do we have it? And I think you've just answered a lot of this is that it dovetails into how we're managing our organizations, how we're reporting. Um, so many of your colleagues have spoken um, to us and counting on Chazen about transparency and building trust. It seems like this becomes one of those tools that you're, you're actually um, not only using, but you're sharing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no reason to, to hide. You need to share with, you know, the organization and the decision makers, you know, how things are going and where there are problems and where there are things to celebrate and, you know, maybe do some additional program. It's not always negative. So I love that. I love that you use the word celebrate because that's a that's a great concept. You know, it's been so tough for so many nonprofits. Um, having to pivot during COVID and, and all of the changes that we are living through right now. Um, I, I appreciate you saying that because that's, a, that's something that a lot of times there's so much fear around numbers and accounting and these compliance issues um, that we can lose sight of how um, this information can help us really understand that we are doing well and that we are achieving our mission, vision and values. It's, it's pretty awesome. Martha Hulsbeck, CPA, um, Talent Recruitment and Development Manager for Chazen & Company. Thank you so much for coming back on with us and talking us through the process of budgeting and giving us some budgeting tips. This is one of those key things that um, all nonprofits that are really wanting to grow and be successful and be accountable need to understand. And Martha, you've really painted um, a great picture for us and given us some new information. Thank you so much. You're welcome.
I'm Julia Patrick, CEO of the American Nonprofit Academy. Thanks so much for joining us today. Counting on Chazen and ChazenandCompany.com. There's a lot more information that you will find about how to make your nonprofit more successful. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you back here again.